Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that their rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Don't let sin and the influence of the devil creep into your life. You could put a frog in water and start it to boil until it dies and it won't ever notice the temperature increasing. Today, Pastor J.D. is going to show you that sin is the same way. What starts small can slowly turn into something much more serious without even noticing it. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 25th, 2022. I want to talk with you today about what's come to be known as Stockholm Syndrome, specifically how it eerily and prophetically describes everything that's happening in the world today. Now, I want to, by way of introduction, uh, read a compilation from several sources that define what Stockholm Syndrome is, and more importantly, why it happens. Stockholm Syndrome is a psychological phenomenon of an emotional attachment to a captor formed by a hostage as a result, listen, of continuous stress, dependence, and a need to cooperate for survival. It's a coping mechanism to a captive or abusive situation wherein a captive begins to identify closely with his or her captors as well as with their agenda and their demands. The name is derived from a botched bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden. In August 1973, four employees were held hostage in the bank's vault for six days. During the standoff, a seemingly odd bond developed between captive and captor, one hostage during a telephone call with the Swedish Prime Minister stated that she fully trusted her captors, but feared that she would die in a police assault on the building. The hostages were rescued, but despite threats and abuse, including being strapped with dynamite, they were surprisingly supportive of their captors. Amazingly, one woman later became engaged to one of the hostage takers, and another developed a legal defense fund to assist their captors. Those who have studied the syndrome believe that 
The bond is initially created when a captor threatens a captive's life, deliberates, and then chooses not to kill the captive. The captive's relief at the removal of the death threat is transposed into feelings of gratitude toward the captor for giving him or her life. As the incident proves, it takes only a few days for this bond to cement, proving that early on the victim's desire, listen very carefully to this, the victim's desire to survive supersedes the urge to hate the person who created the situation. The survival instinct is at the heart of the syndrome. Victims live in enforced dependence and interpret rare or small acts of kindness in the midst of horrible conditions as good treatment. They often become hypervigilant to the needs and demands of their captors, making psychological links between the captor's happiness and their own. Indeed, the syndrome is marked not only by a positive bond between captive and captor, but also by a negative attitude on behalf of the captive toward authorities who threatened the captor-captive relationship. The negative attitude is especially powerful when the hostage is of no use to the captors except as leverage against a third party. And then lastly, and again listen very carefully, a person can develop Stockholm Syndrome when they experience significant threats to their physical or psychological well-being. I hope, and my hope and prayer is and has been, that all of us can start to connect the dots with what's happening now, especially as it relates to today's global taskmasters. Sadly, Many a professing Christian has fallen prey to this notion that said taskmasters are in control of everything they do and even whether they live or die. Thankfully they don't. God does. And we are not to fear man. The fear of man is an enslaving trap and snare. Rather, were to fear the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning in verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Can't wait. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's the truth. 
We have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And He will save us from hell and deliver us from the sin and the bondage of this world, the flesh, and the devil. However, these horrible conditions and, as we just read, significant threats to our physical and psychological well-being seemingly continue to worsen with each passing day. Now hear me out when I say this, because at first it might seem a little bit um, hard to grasp, but what if I told you that this is actually a good thing? Yeah, I knew it, Pastor. You're sick, man. What is wrong with you? I know they have clinical terms for this. (laughs) But this is actually a good thing, and I'll explain why if you'll hear me out. It's a good thing because like Israel's slavery in Egypt, Egypt a type of the world, it was excruciatingly unbearable right before God delivered them from their captors, if I can say it like that. Exodus chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, you're back in lockdown. No, that's not what it says, but I probably should give you a little bit of the backstory here. So Moses has just, as God commanded him to, gone to Pharaoh and said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's response was, yeah, no problem. No. His response was, are you kidding me? They're complaining. They must have extra time on their hands. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. Here's what they can do with that extra time on their hands. Uh, Have them get their own straw to make those bricks. And by the way, archaeologists have found that many of the structures that were built by these very Israelite slaves, you'll notice the quality of the bricks changed. I love it when archaeology proves the Bible. I could go on on that, I won't, because it'll derail me from what I really want to talk about today. But, you know, when they find something, they dig, they do a dig. You know, these archaeologists, and they want to discover the civilization. Wow, what have we found? Well, how do we know? Well, I know. Let's go to the Bible. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. So, instead of letting them go, he makes it harder on them. And now they got to go out and get their own straw. He says, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet, it's even worse than that. None of your work will be reduced. Those quotas, same quotas. And don't complain or I'll increase the quotas with no straw. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, come on, saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also, the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters has set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Question, why? Why did God choose to deliver His people 
in this way. I mean, He's going to deliver them, but why allow this to happen? Why have it be so much worse and so much more difficult? Because they would want to be delivered. Stay with me. Had the conditions under their captors been more bearable, they wouldn't have been as eager to be delivered. You got to know that by that 10th plague, in fact, the detail in the narrative says they left with haste. They were commanded to get out of here. You don't have to tell me to get out. I'm out of here, man. Are you kidding me? You had me at frogs, not frogs, frogs. (laughs) The stench alone. You had me at that. The 10th plague, the death of the firstborn son, oh, it's so powerful, the, the whole typology in the 10 plagues. But again, I don't want to digress, but did you make that connection? See, I got to get my people out of Egypt, but the only way they're good, because they're too comfortable there. Yeah, but they're slaves, I know, but they've kind of developed a little bit of a bond (laughs) with their captors and taskmasters. They did? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, after being delivered during the wilderness wanderings, they wanted to go back. They had this bond with and this dependence on the Egyptian taskmasters. Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. This is just two and a half months after being delivered from their slavery in Egypt. We're told, verse 2, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, listen to this, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. At least in Egypt we could depend on them to feed us. Yeah, but you were being held hostage. Yeah, but they ordered in pizza that one day, remember? Is that too much? I'm just trying to help you connect some dots here. And we're hungry. At least our captors fed us. We really appreciated their lifting of restrictions and, you know, kind of giving us a little bit of freedom and ordering pizza <laughs> or letting us go out to a restaurant and eat. Okay, I'm going to leave that one there with you and the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is just one part. I'm trying to establish a principle here concerning the aforementioned Stockholm Syndrome. Numbers chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. And by the way, for those of you who know the Bible, (laughs) um, this is just a fraction of all of the accounts in Scripture when the Israelites complained against God, against Moses and Aaron, and wanted to go back into slavery. They wanted to go back into bondage. They wanted to go back into that bank vault. Because at least there, they had something to eat. 
They're out in the wilderness. There's no food. And here's God going, I'll provide food. Watch me now. No, we don't. And then God does it. The man is there every day without fail. And then what happens? We want meat to eat. They fed us meat in Egypt. You know, prime rib and are you hungry? Because So verse 3, Numbers 14, why has the Lord, listen to this, brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Uh, (laughs) What? I realized that it was not known as Stockholm Syndrome then, but it sure seems to be textbook as it relates to the world now. The world today has developed a bond with and a dependence on the Egypt of this world, and it's come as a result of the abuse and the need to cooperate for survival. That cooperation supersedes the hatred for those that perpetrated this to begin with. In fact, what comes packaged with this bond and dependence is a defensiveness. We've started up our own legal defense fund, and we're so quick to defend the narrative of this world. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) They imposed harsh restrictions on us, but there were those acts of kindness where they just kind of let up and, hey, I don't have to be injected to go to a restaurant now or get on a plane now. And so, thank you. Thank you. You're so kind, so grateful. Well, this brings me full circle to Stockholm Syndrome and how it eerily and prophetically describes exactly what's happening today. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to expound on this more for the remainder of our time together today, so we'll go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. So I want to approach this by asking a series of specific questions that I think all of us would do well to consider in this regard. And this is kind of a litmus test of sorts, for lack of a better uh, description, or a, a test to diagnose whether or not we have this Stockholm Syndrome. First, and I want you to think through these questions, and please have ears to hear, okay? Are we looking to a leader for our freedoms and liberties under the banner of them saving us from that which they themselves created? Second, are we grateful to the perpetrators of this evil, and it is evil, for the temporary relief from restrictions and as such their imposed threats? Again, the physical and psychological threat to our very survival. Third, am I full of anxiety, confused, stressed, fearful, and depressed 
because of COVID and the abuse and torture that it continues to inflict? Yeah, we've got a little bit of a reprieve, a little bit of a respite. Oh, perfect. Enjoy it. (laughs) Fourth, have my feelings changed as a result of the abuse and torture at the hands of those responsible for this satanic genocide? And fifth and finally, and perhaps more importantly, and I really want you to think through this one, have I developed a defensive and combative attitude towards anyone who dares speak truth to me in love? Let me ask the same question in a different way. Am I defending the perpetrators? So someone comes to me and says, hey, you know you're being held hostage, right? You know that you're in bondage, right? You know that they are trying to control you, right? And you pull your mask down (laughs) and start defending them. And all anyone has to do, I mean, how dare they? Because they love you. That's how dare they. See, we don't just speak the truth in love. We speak the truth because of love. Think about it in the parenting relationship. You love your children. I mean, if you didn't love them, you wouldn't care. I mean, go ahead. No, I love you so much. I have to say something, this path that you're on, oh, it may feel right. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? It is the way of death. You're deceived. And I love you enough to put our relationship and friendship in jeopardy and tell you the truth, because the wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In chapter 27 of Jeremiah, four times, no less than four times we read, they prophesied lies. They prophesied a lie. Four times. Then you get to chapter 28, and we read, they make people trust in a lie. Although, wow, that could have been, that's what I love about God's Word, right? No matter where you're at in God's Word, it's where you're at in your life, because God's Word is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut surgically. You're believing a lie. You've been deceived. I'm telling you the truth. And you're defensive. Hmm. Why are you defending the very perpetrators of the evil in which you are now suffering? Why are you defending the narrative? Have you been so brainwashed? You know, there is a difference between being brainwashed and washing your brain. Yeah, I know, Pastor, you lost it a long time ago. But hey, think about this, okay? The washing, the renewing of your mind with the Word of God, the water of the Word of God. You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. 
How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.